0: everyone and welcome to another episode of paddock chat a west midlands group original podcast created to keep local growers in the loop without having to leave the paddock i'm erin o'brien and i am the beef industry development officer at the west midlands group the information provided in this podcast is general in nature and may not be wholly appropriate for your purposes or situation we recommend that you seek appropriate professional advice before implementing actions based on the information provided in this podcast this conversation was recorded in mid-June 2021.
1: Hello, and welcome to a slightly different episode of Paddock Chat. My name is Callum Wolf and I'm the Sustainable Agriculture Coordinator at NAC Interim. In this episode, I'll be catching up with Nick Ayres to discuss some of the work that he is doing with NAC Interim, and what drives his interest in sustainable agriculture. Nick, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, Sure. Um, yeah, Nick, i at Elders in children,
2: and uh, me and you sort of cover the Midwest up here. I've been up here for near on five years, going on five years this year, and, um, uh, I grew up on a farm in the Southwest and moved up here after union, high school, all that sort of stuff, and have been pursuing the grommy for a while and, and learning about what farmers are doing and thinking and wanting to achieve ever since. Um, so yeah, no, I've, I've been, been around and, and trying to learn as much as I can for a while and getting pretty tied up in the lead space and, and probably known for my enthusiasm around different legumes and pulses in, in the farming system and, and how they sort of contribute towards sustainability in the, in the industry.
1: So you just talked about um, learning around what farmers are doing and what they want to achieve. A um, big part of what NAPNRM does is sustainability and I personally see that as a big part of farming and hopefully what farmers want. Um, I was just wondering what sustainability in a farming system
2: looks like to you. To me, I think sustainability has a different meaning to everyone. Um, You can't really put any clear definition. There's probably multiple subcategories of sustainability that all come into play. Um, For myself personally, it, it, it probably refers more so to an industry that's got potential to keep growing um, in alignment with our society, in alignment with other industries, and in alignment alignment with the environment, um, for as long as we as we exist on this planet, um, and and trying to do that in a, in a way that doesn't impede on future generations' opportunities to live the life that we get to experience, I think is probably a big big part of my motivation behind it all.
1: So we've been working in partnership on a couple of projects, yourself on a unifarm improvement group, and we've come across some pretty interesting things. I did want to talk first about the first project that we worked together on, which was the legion solutions in low rainfall zones. There was two sites under that project, and I was just wondering if you could run through how those projects were
2: designed and what we were looking at. Low rainfall zone legumes is one that really gets me excited. Having a legume in the, in the low rainfall zone is often seen as a risk, not only because you're potentially giving away, uh, giving up an opportunity to grow a cash crop with that opportunity cost, but also if you have too big a legume, you, you can't really manage your nitrogen the year after and that's seen as a risk associated with it as well. And, and so trying to find a system in that low rainfall zone where we can still get a legume in without those costs to the system, I feel is pretty important given how much we know about legumes being associated with all the benefits around soil carbon, uh, long-term profitability and environmental conscientiousness. One of the sites we had was a pasture system and we looked at Cerrodella into, into a long-term sand pasture. Cerrodella is something that I get particularly excited about because it has a pretty notorious... Uh, tap root with an extremely fibrous set of laterals. Given the small seed size and the plants per square metre, you can you can actually fill a profile with roots extremely extremely well to the point that it can hold the country together, uh, un- unlike any other pasture I've seen or, or, or pulse crop I've seen, to be honest. Whereas the other site was in cropping country, and that's looking at vetch, which is pretty well a weed. It, it's a biomass accumulator. It just grows like nothing else. Given the seasonal conditions, it'll it'll put on over 10 tonne. The biomass and being a high protein legume, that's that's an awful lot of nitrogen. Or we'll getting nitrogen that you can pump into a system and trying to work out how to utilise that going forwards is is really what the real question is
1: all about. The second side being in a cropping system, I know there was some soil testing done on that. Was there anything of note in those soil test results? Yeah, we
2: did a lot of testing. We did did some soil testing after the pasture phase. We had some summer rain early in the year, and we had up to fifty one past million nitrates in the top 10 on some of those species and and that was pretty impressive I, I haven't seen that too often putting that into context with some of the above ground cuts it was particularly interesting to have have a look at where the protein was actually accumulating in this soil sort of system where you have a big amount of biomass on top of the ground you've actually managed to accumulate a lot more protein on top and where your protein accumulation perhaps wasn't as large on the top you've left a lot more of it underneath the ground so some soil testing correlated quite closely with a lot of the biomass cuts that we did in
1: season. So the second project that we've been doing a bit of work on, um, again, with the Uniform Improvement Group, yourself and Nackenarang, was three sites looking at legumes, a slightly different geographic area. One of those sites is in Mingenim, if you wanted to give us a bit of a breakdown of what's happening there. So these,
2: these three sites are in a similar sort of lot, trying to find more ways to get legumes in there. And after the success of the vetch in Yuna last year, we had another look at some more vetch. Down menu where we're going to take that one to harvest and see what it would look like in a cropping kind of system, how you can actually utilise it as something that you can harvest yourself and bulk up yourself and use that for, say, a pasture seed in your various pasture systems or as we did in Yuna, we went up and we are now combining it with an amelioration trial to look at how we can use some of these pulses as a amelioration tool to try and get more return on investment for our amelioration that goes on in the sand plains of Yuna, which there's a lot of country left to do. Uh, and in recent years there's been a lot of attention put on that soil treatment uh, given the wind events we've had and, and trying to stabilise a lot of that country and reduce the risk onto that country um, by such an intervention uh, as, well as, uh, as well as looking at a pasture system where we're looking at a mixed pasture um, sward and using legumes and grasses in combination to try and produce as much feed as possible in a low rainfall zone.
1: So the Migniew site itself I would imagine probably sees slightly more rainfall uh, it would be slightly different soil type to the unisites. Is there anything you're seeing different in the pastures from, say, units being new in the way that they're growing or the way that they're acting in that environment?
2: I'll, I suspect one of the big things is probably it's a bit further from the coast and cold nights are probably more prevalent uh, further from the coast, and, and that certainly plays a big part. No, none of these pulses or legumes like cold nights or cold days but, but they much prefer a good autumn or a good spring which makes a lot of sense given what they're trying to do but the um is trying to make sure that yeah you've got them in the system where they need to be
1: so i guess the thing that ties all these sites together um obviously they're looking for a less traditional method for a couple of little different problems they're not an acute change to a system they're just just having a bit of a play trying to learn some stuff and i guess that's for me part of being sustainable in a farming system The question it brings up is why are we looking at legumes specifically for these issues or as part of these systems? Uh,
2: Legumes are, I suppose, forever have been linked with sustainability. Before we had Bag End, they were our major source of end farming systems for the history of agriculture. And now, since Bag End's come along, you can measure it, it's easy to to manage, uh, and and they've become much less important uh, and used much more for disease break. Trying to keep some of these in particularly in low rainfall zones or even medium rainfall zones, trying to change the effects of droughts in the long term uh, by keeping lead rotation is a big part of the picture. And a big part of that comes from the fact that in the north, we tend to grow a lot of lupins. Uh, that's our biggest pulse crop up here on the sand. They, they tend to like acid sands and do pretty well and the way we're going with lupins these days, uh, if we do get knocked around with a drought, it actually does leave a lot of that country extremely fragile and it can take a couple of years to recover. So trying to find a value uh, for having an alternative legume in the system where we can reduce that risk of soil erosion going forwards is, is a big part of the picture.
1: It's probably worth noting that in the last year, the locations of some of the project sites have seen fairly extraordinary weather events. Um, first with a particularly large wind erosion event in the middle of 2020 and the impacts of cyclone serosia. These weather events have highlighted the benefit and the need for activities that can increase total ground cover, activities that have multitudes of benefits and can also do things like building soil carbon. Unfortunately, though, nothing comes without risk. So is there anything for people to look out for when implementing legumes in either a cropping or a grazing farming system in terms of pests and diseases
2: yeah as with all new things there's always going to be risks associated with the unknown as far as pests go nothing too different to what we already deal with with our say our local crops grubs are still a drama and, and budworms still going to give us grief in spring the big thing is probably going to be trying to understand what they do for our soil dynamics and and things like soil pathogens and and soil disease constraints that we have in, in low rainfall zones that can give us issues.
1: So largely the risks are risks that already exist.
2: Yeah, largely.
1: So we've talked a bit about why legumes in these specific sites and these specific projects, but I would like to talk about why it is that you keep putting your hand up to be involved in these sort of projects and why it is that you... Personally, get so excited about legumes. I know you and I joke about being pasture enthusiasts and starting a pasture enthusiast group. What's behind that?
2: Well, I think the big thing is there is a correlation between organic carbon in the soil and legumes in the rotation. As soon as you take the legume out of the rotation and go to say canola, canola wheat or a wheat, wheat rotation, there is a net decline in organic carbons over time. Um, which to me is a no-brainer in suggesting that legumes are going to be uh, a key part to play when it comes to either building carbons or retaining carbons in the, in the soil profile. Um, it's about putting value on organic carbons. There's no point have, having them there if you don't think they're of value to you or your system. And to me, I think organic carbons are a, a value. Like we talk about using moisture to grow crops and make money. And organic carbon is, is one of the big factors that characterizes soils on its ability to retain moisture. Uh, act as a buffer through climatic variability and so it's to me it's a no-brainer that you want to try and have as much organic carbon as practically possible in for your farming system and, um, and, and and legumes everything we're doing is about protein so to me legumes being a high protein plant that can have such good benefits for your system there's no reason why you wouldn't want to investigate how you can change the system and how such system changes will, will change what you're looking at and how the problems that you have to deal with on a daily basis.
1: So recently, you hosted a NACNRM field walk at your property in Greenough. It was refreshing to see someone who has such an interest and spends a lot of time helping others to achieve an outcome on their property to see someone have the opportunity to do that on their own property. And while you don't have a huge farm, I know you love your little 10 hectares, and I was just wondering what it is that you're looking to get out of that and what it is you've got in place to make that property the best it can be.
2: I suppose for me, I'm naturally very curious and I have a scientific brain. I went to Union and appreciated the science behind the way things work and I get to drive around and see what farmers are doing and the questions they're asking and I have a lot of questions myself on what these things would do, which naturally leads you to purchase 10 hectares of river flats and split it into 10 paddocks so that you can have a look as many things as possible in any one year. And a big part of that for me is pulses. I I grow wheat not to grow wheat, the wheat's a bit of a burden for me to have to handle the grain but because I want the straw and I use that straw to help legume phases and, I, and I'll grow pastures, I'll grow legume pastures and I'll grow pulse crops and, and try and look at all these different questions that people are asking and try and look at the imp- implications for the system going forwards and, and, and what that means for our decision-making capacity. If you don't look at these things, you'll never know. The research doesn't happen unless the observations are made.
1: And observations is an interesting thing to mention. I know that was a topic of conversation uh, when we were at the field walk. In the time you've had that property and been doing those works, have you observed much of a difference in your soil structure and what's growing there in the health of that little bit of land?
2: I know that you sure as hell shouldn't follow it. Um, that, That gets pretty ugly pretty quick. The, um, when it rains, it grows. Uh, and, and yeah, definitely there's, there's, there's structure differences. The more biomass that you can grow on, on country like that, the more structure you can generate. And the more structure you can generate, the, the, the more you can reduce the effects of waterlogging in, in years like this. And it's, that's chalk and cheese. Different land management after only two years of splitting paddocks up. I'll have water lying in some paddocks and not in others, and it's, yeah, here's and cheese. And some paddocks you can walk on straight after a rain event, and others you're not walking on them three weeks later. So there's certainly been implications to things like structure and infiltration and all that sort of stuff.
1: Along that vein, obviously soil testing, very important part of agriculture, very important part of agronomy. I know that you have a particular interest in observation and I understand that on a smaller land holding you have a little more opportunity to do that than someone on a larger property. How much value would you place on people getting out and making an observation in their paddock rather than just relying on the data that their head is feeding them and what their soil tests are saying?
2: I think there's no one that knows as much about their paddocks as the landholder. Uh, they've seen them multiple times a year, every year for however long they've been working in those paddocks. You know where the weeds are, you know where the rocks are, you know the shallow areas, you know all the ins and outs of the paddocks. And those observations are critical and, and trying to rely on any one piece of data stream or advice is you're never going to trump what you know about your own paddocks. So I think it's incredibly important to maintain high levels of observation and, and, and make sure you're across what's going on everywhere.
1: That pretty much covers yeah. off everything, that we're doing and uh, elders and white what you're doing on your property, and uh, it covers off the wider interest in legumes and how these projects can contribute to sustainability in the region, in the northern ag region as a whole, as well as the low rainfall zones that fringe that. Is there a final thing you'd like to say on sustainability or soil carbon or legumes in the low rainfall zone?
2: I think the big thing to really take home out of all this interest in sustainability these days is that value you place on, on sustainability on farm is very intrinsic. There's dollars and cents, obviously, that make things work, but where you want to be in 10 years is very much an internal driver behind your business and your decision.
0: That brings us to the end of today's episode. The best way to receive our updates and stay in the loop with the latest in local research and results is by becoming a West Midlands Group member. Our members are an essential part of why we do what we do and we pride ourselves on ensuring members like you receive relevant, innovative information. You'll save hours of your valuable time with easy access to the most relevant and up-to-date information you really need. Our membership gets you early access to our workshops, Free or discounted entry for up to three farm business members to our major events. Exclusive access to our member-only publications like our technical newsletter, The West Midlands Group Quarterly. For more info, visit our website where you can sign up anytime. I'd like to thank our sponsors and members, without whom this would not be possible. See you next time for some more paddock chat. Local knowledge from a paddock near you.